if the marketing team are not targeted on these MQLs anymore, and they're now targeted on revenue, which we were, so that shift came, we're, we're a marketing team, we hold a revenue target, then you suddenly start to become very concerned about where the money is. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Marketing Revisited. My name is Lee Maroney, I am your host, and on this podcast, I talk to the smartest marketers I know, one topic at a time, to find out what's new, what's changed, and why you need to leave behind to be a better marketer. And today, I talked with Fran Langham. She's the head of enterprise demand generation at Cognizum, and it was a stellar episode. We talked about how to make the shift from lead generation to demand generation. We got tactical. You are not going to want to miss this one. I hope you enjoy. Take a listen. Fran, welcome to the podcast. I am absolutely delighted to have you here. How are you doing? Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm really great. Good to be here. I am very excited about this conversation because I think this has been something that obviously this is what I do all day long. This is something that you're going through a lot of the process of the stuff that we're going to talk about today. So I'm really eager to get into this. And so let's jump straight into it. Where I'd like to start this is we're going to revisit enterprise demand gen specifically. And the reason that I'm so interested in this is because there's a whole new philosophy of demand gen. You and I are both on that same sort of Chris Walker mentality, but oh, here we are. demand gen and enterprise demand gen are not necessarily the same thing. There's a lot more complexity comes into it. And I would love to start there in really just defining what about enterprise is different from regular demand gen. What are the complexities of it? What makes it a more complicated process that isn't just straight demand gen, create demand, win an audience and get them all to come to you. Um, so that's where I'd love to start. Before we even get down that path, just to make sure we kind of orient each other. When you define enterprise in your world, what does that mean? Who is an enterprise segment to you? Yeah, of course. Um, to be honest, we're startup scale up world here at Cognizim. So um, I would say the definition has changed a few times, but what we have now set on um, what me, what enterprises to me and to us as a business is a company that's 500 employees plus. I know a lot of companies focus on the revenue and like turnover instead. Um, but for us, that's, that's what it looks like right now. So that's our like enterprise piece. And they're the types of companies that we're targeting. Gotcha. Um, obviously the bigger, the better, but we, we, you know, 500 plus defines enterprise for us. Gotcha. So as you think about demand gen strategy for enterprise, what characteristics about it are different from an SMB or a mid-market type? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's two main things. It's, um the the complexity of the deal cycle and the buying committee. There's so many more people involved in that. And then it, with that, and it, they kind of go hand in hand, it's obviously the length of the, the deal cycle. So it's kind of like we're talking, so for, for us here at like Cognizant, maybe talking like 30 to 40 days for our commercial, which are on more like SMB, uh, SMB deal cycle. And then for enterprise, it's anything from sort of like, I mean, the, the median is, is like, like 100 days plus. So you can kind of already see that everything's starting to go on a little bit longer. Companies are in deal for longer. There's more people in those deals. So it's kind of like, what actions can you take to make, uh, keep them engaged, I guess, give them all the information that they need. So there's like so much... But you actually do need to think about, and um, this is what we've been working on probably for like the last eight or nine months since we started, we, we sort of moved upstream into this enterprise space. It's quite new for us. So there's a lot of key learnings, I guess, that I'd be more than happy to share. And yeah, I, I'd, I'd say you just have to be mindful of 
Um, so like our personas at Cognizant, like many different personas, but we've got like sales and marketing are our core personas, are the people we, we target. Um, you know, for, for the small companies, it, it's quite easy to engage a sales director and, and then move through the buying process. But for enterprise, we've got sales, we've got marketing, we've got rev ups, and then we've got legal. And the list kind of goes on because, um, and, and that's actually another point, not every company is exactly the same. So I can't say that like, this is the exact buying committee and this is very, this is the formula that we need to follow. So then you've got to be agile. So there's so much, like so much stuff that goes into it. This is too familiar altogether. Yes. And I think it's funny because when you, everything you said, just like it either resonates with me or triggers me and I can't decide which one it is. Because <laughs> you're right. It's, and the, the thing that always tends to come up in this is who are you targeting? And you just said you're, you're targeting different people every time, depending on the organization. But there's also not one person at that organization. Because I think there's the older demand gen ideas was always like decision makers, get leads mm -hmm. from that person, hand those over. But you just described half a dozen people. Mm -hmm. But then I guess that's where... For me, this like shift, this like demand gen model that we were, we just touched on with like all the sort of like everything that Chris Walker's talking about actually fits so much better than an artificial lead gen funnel. So traditionally you would, so say we would pick, I mean, in, I've worked on in the enterprise space for, for quite a few years for, for different startups and we'd pick Acle Persona and we create like a 200 page ebook for that persona, uh, but we'd call it a market report just to you know really level ourselves up <laughs> and then um, and we would we would collect the leads and, and then that's and, that, and that's what we would do and we spend so much time and and then we started thinking about oh let's repurpose it so then we'd focus on that but it's only ever around this one artificial lead gen funnel that, that we were creating because once they'd downloaded the ebook visited our website and liked a post on linkedin we were like they're ready to buy and and that's that's just what you saw and 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 you know that's fine. But it kind of, um, you know, didn't always work. And then it's like, well, actually, what about other people in the buying cycle? Who, who do sales, like, are you speaking to sales? Are you speaking to like your customers? Like there's so much that, there's such a big piece that was missing. And I think like, that's why I'm so excited to be at Cognizant at the moment, because we've got a CMO that's very um, forward thinking and, and she just really wants to push us in this direction where we're becoming more B2C, right? So let's let's treat B2B as B2C. Let's let's treat our audience and our buyers in exactly the same way we buy. So I'm buying a, I don't know, makeup product or something. I'm finding I'm engaging with an ad on Instagram, maybe. Might see something else across Facebook, probably talking to the girls about what they're thinking and what they're buying and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, long story short, when I come to land on that decision. I've been every which way. I'm everywhere. Like you can't, you can't just attribute it. To, I've not seen one ad and then decided to buy something. And it's the same for B2B. It's like, well, has has a sales director's heard our podcast? Have they engaged with our LinkedIn post? Have they um, seen us at an event even? Like obviously we haven't had events for a while, but you know, and all of those things I think are so important because there is that whole like dark funnel piece where it's like, well, why don't you just forego the attribution and engage people where they're actually hanging out? And, and I think that just, it's almost like when you're working on an enterprise, there's so much freedom. Because if we are doing that and we're engaging people where, you know, where they are, we're not worrying about curating content 
that's pages and pages and pages long and then we're going to gate. We've actually got a lot more freedom to engage more personas within the buying cycle, which then increases our brand awareness like tenfold. So I was, I was sort of coming back around to the original point, but I do tend to... <laughs> no, I, I love what you're saying here because... So here's the thing, right? Everything you said makes the world of sense. And if you said it to anyone, sales or otherwise, they would go, of course, yeah, we want you to be advertising to everyone. Yeah. But once you start to get into your Salesforce dashboard or wherever you're reporting, suddenly there's a different reality. So what are you dismantling or how are you beginning to wean yourself off of that? Like, I guess, what is the, what is the prior world measurement look like? Yeah. Okay. So I guess it's, I suppose it's like a good place to start is like where we started when, so this was July and I was given the enterprise segment. I was very excited about it, but you know, we were still running lead gen at that time. So we were still running those gated eBooks um, and gating, I think we we're even getting like case studies at one point. So oh, things, were, wow. <laughs> things were the best. So we were doing that, but Basically, we didn't just like one day wake up and say, we're really into this new demand gen movement. What we're actually going to do now is just turn all the lead gen stuff off. And then what we're going to do is just run all our content on Gated. Like it, it didn't happen like that. And I think sometimes when you see posts on LinkedIn about doing it, people are like, we, we can't just switch it off. And it's like, I'm like, I hear you, no. <laughs> because at the end of the day, we're, we're going in to a brand new segment. We have no awareness. We had a sales team that were used to getting a lot of leads because we'd already been very successful in the SMB, which we now call commercial space. So what do you do? Like, do you, do you just tell them they have to wait three or four months for an inbound or, you know, like really wasn't possible. So we had to make the transition like really slowly and our commercial team had already started doing it. So like they were focusing on the SMB space. So we followed suit, but probably at a much slower pace. So what we did is we kept all of our lead gen running. And by lead gen, I mean, it's an ad on LinkedIn. If you want, here's the ad. If you want to read more, download the content. Mm -hmm. When that content, when that lead, that lead then flows through a very complicated process from Zapier to Pard up to Salesforce and it reaches your sales, uh, your sales team, your SDR. And then they go into this sequence, which has been lovely sequence, which has been crafted by us all about its content. And that's, that's what we mean by, by lead, that's what I mean by lead gen, content lead gen, we call it. So we were doing that and it's kind of, it's a comfort blanket because every month, like you'll, you'll see MQLs like through the funnel and you're thinking, mm -hmm. yeah, it's good. This looks great. The numbers are going up and you're like, yeah, like Alice, I see emotions, got a report to the board and we're like, these are, it's looking good. So, so we, it's hard to wean yourself off, right? Because it's, and also it's a world that I've been used to. I've been in marketing for like 10 years. It's all we've ever done is it's MQL after MQL. So then we kind of got to a point where we thought about like actually splitting out the funnel, right? Mm -hmm. So, and this is, is where the Chris Walker stuff comes in. And this is what we've learned from like all oh, the Fine Lab guys are doing. So we were like, okay, well, how quickly does it take an inbound lead, so someone that's just come to your site, filled out them a request to get to closed one or get to square versus how quickly does it take a content lead to go through that same process? 
And when you start looking at them as two separate things, it's, you, it soon becomes crystal clear that the inbound demo requests are converting at a much faster rate. So what you want to do is you're like, I want more of that. Because also the mindset shift comes with, if the marketing team are not targeted on these MQLs anymore, and they're now targeted on revenue, which we were, so that shift came, we're, we're a marketing team, we hold a revenue target, then you suddenly start to become very concerned about where the money is. So mm-hmm. suddenly I was thinking MQLs, I'm not bothered. I'm looking at uh, sales qualified ops. I'm looking at win rates. I'm, I'm like, I need some revenue. So it then becomes very sort of, not, I wasn't easy, but, but then you become like less resistant to that change and you, and just purely because you're thinking, well, I know this inbound lead is going to get me a deal much faster than this content lead. So what we did, we started to make the shift, but very slowly. So just turn the tap off. So we went into LinkedIn, looked at all of our content because we had so much. Um, and I was like, well, this content isn't actually performing that well. So why don't we just take a little bit of that budget and put it into this, un- let's ungate it and let's run it as like an ungated, and we call it awareness, an ungated awareness piece. So it's top of funnel, it's educational, it's not gated. And why don't we just make a little video about it at the same time? Why don't we run videos? Why don't we explore like different objectives in LinkedIn? And slowly, 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 you start to see these results and an uptick in inbounds. And there's obviously more to it. It's like, how do you get buy-in to do that? What exact metrics do you measure? But it's, it's just making that small change and having a little bit of patience and you suddenly start to see that these inbound demo requests that are bringing, bringing you revenue at a much faster rate are gold, like compared to your content leads. But again, it's like you don't, I mean, we didn't, I didn't just switch it off overnight and it, it does take time and you do have to be patient. That's the annoying thing. Yeah, that certainly is the annoying thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is fascinating and I, I, this is exactly what I want to talk about. So when you were going through that splitting the funnel process and you were yep. starting to see it. So you obviously came to that realization. You'd been hearing all the talk. You'd been saying, yeah, of course, lead gen doesn't result in it. Was there on the sales side, were you getting feedback or was there, was there a feeling that it wasn't working well? Like your numbers were great, your MQLs, but they weren't seeing it on their side. Like where, how did you sell them into that idea? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think everyone says it, but alignment is key with sales. And I think we were always had strong communication from the start. And um, in all honesty, like and full transparency, it, it did help that the, the commercial team had already started to make that switch. So everyone kind of knew we were heading that way. I think what was interesting is we always kind of knew that sales preferred the inbounds anyway, because obviously that's quite easy to book a meeting. Um, I kind of, we actually did, which we really didn't, on purpose is we basically were trying so hard to get the, the cheapest cost per lead to maximize the budget and we got to a point where um, James we, we got an enterprise marketing pod and, and James who was working on it at that time was getting like cost per leads at like ten dollars for a content download which is insane and I was like wow but what we were actually doing is we were making ourselves look great marketing look great but we were flooding the in the the content lead queue 
from like, we were getting like a couple of hundred leads to like nearing on a thousand leads a month. And sales weren't able to follow up on all of those leads. They prioritized the inbound leads. And then we'd have these meetings where I'd be like, well, look at all these leads that no one's actioned. And it would be a friction point and it'd be like, well, I'll just turn it all off, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it, it's difficult. But then we actually had a real conversation and the guys were like, well, but we know that like, you know, when we, get, we do our inbounds first and then we, then we move on to the content leads. And I was like, what do you mean you do? The, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what do you mean the inbounds first? Like, cause we have, cause we, we, we really want like a quick SLA time. So we have like um, people like, well, for those like super quick. And then, and yeah, and it, it just became like really apparent that they, they didn't rate the leads as much as I thought, if that made sense. They're like, That's so they, interesting. They, they'd yeah. already come to the realization. They were already doing it that way. And they yeah, were prioritizing it, them separately. Well, we had like, um, we have like a, like a dedicated inbound reps who just follow up on our inbound demo requests. But even when you speak to the AEs, they're like, yeah, those the de- those demo those, you know, those demo requests that are coming in, like they're the ones we want. Like because they get the, you get the meeting quicker, and obviously they progress down the funnel quicker. So that's what they're interested in. So it was quite it's quite interesting. But then and again, it's it's the same. It's you can kind of go around in circles because sometimes um, sometimes they love the content, but sometimes they didn't. It was all very. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I, I remember hearing an almost exact same story from the SDR team at one point, and they were saying that like, oh, it's like their safety bucket. Well, yeah, if yeah. I haven't got enough inbounds, I'll, I'll dip into the content ones and there I've got somewhere to go if I'm short. Exactly. And it was my safety bucket as well. Thing is, we were all treating it in the same way, but we probably <laughs> weren't communicating it very well. It was my safety bucket when people were like, oh, you'll hit target this month. I was like, don't worry about that. We've got all of these mqls um i've <laughs> got all these content leads. um so yeah it's, it is a communication thing it really really is and it's just being honest and saying and also i i think the it's the frequency as well so when we started to turn it off so we'd talk to like the sdr team leads and i'd say look i'd show them i'd be like the, i'm turning off these campaigns and i'm moving them and I'm hoping to see more inbounds. I'm not guaranteeing it, but that's what I'm hoping. And so this is switched off. We've actioned this. And when you, you actually get more buy-in when you actually show them, and it isn't this wishy-washy like, oh, I'm doing X, Y, and Z on this ad platform and, and bamboozling everybody with like metrics. It's just like this content is going to shift here and this is going to shift here, and that's what we're going to do. And then you kind of go, what do you think? And then they go, well, we like these demo requests. So you're like, Okay, let's do it. And I think it's a decision that you make together. It's it's much stronger than me just calling them up one day and saying, "Oh, we're not doing leads anymore. We're not doing content leads." So I think it is that communication piece. And um, yeah, and you'll get this- mixed, mixed bag of responses, right? Like sometimes sales loves our leads. Sometimes they don't. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you made that shift and you were being targeted on on actual revenue and on on qualified opportunities, yeah, where were you entirely on the inbound grouping? Like, I, I mean, how much did you care about attribution from non-inbounds, like conversations that came off the back of events or that came from webinars and general normal channels that you would see in your dashboard? Yeah, I mean, we just, um, for us, like the way our grouping worked. So again, we hadn't completely turned all of the content stuff off. So we would have 
um, laser sharp focus on content. So it was like content leads, content meetings booked, content like content um, meetings attended all the way through the funnel. So we wanted to know exactly at what rate it was all progressing if we were going to leave some of it on. Um, we have paid inbounds, which are like paid demo requests um, from like our retargeting from Google, for example. Um, so that's one bucket that we have. And then the other part of the funnel is just pure inbound. And for us, like that is somebody who has come from like a webinar and filled out a demo form or has come from um, an event and filled out a demo form. But you, it's, you're not always able to track that, right? So you didn't know like mm. exactly. Um, we did we did have a time which we don't do anymore, but we would do uh we'd run a webinar and we'd we'd call those content leads as well and we would um like send everyone an email to say thanks for attending and all that kind of stuff and then we'd send them a follow up in sales and get on them and you know and say we know you're ready to buy cognizant. So we don't do that anymore. Uh, so yeah, so we, we just simplified it. We split the funnel, but it's simple. It's paid inbounds, it's inbounds and it's content. But we we have just switch that off actually this month completely so it's congratulations gone. thank you big moment actually yeah it's exciting i want to switch to all of those other personas that you man, man, mentioned at the start all of those other different people who are part of that yeah. buying cycle so when you're not doing leads and you're not hyper targeting on a few specific people how are you now targeting your advertising mm -hmm. yeah sure so for us um the, we have like two key personas, um, so sales and marketing. So we spend like a lot of time like honing content for them. Um, we've just started thinking about our other buyers in the buying cycle. Um, we're thinking about ways in which we, um, we can engage them um, and ways in which we can nurture them in a very val like value-driven way. Thing for me, it's, um, it's the expertise that you have to think about. So a uh, subject matter expert. Um, so for me, like, uh, so when we're marketing to marketers, we're very lucky that marketing is what we do. So we find that we can do that quite easily. For sales, uh, we've got a really strong sales team. Like we use a lot of internal contributors. We also have a subject matter expert as well, who, um, who leads the charge on all of our sales content. So that makes that like super strong. So in terms of like targeting, maybe for example, the legal team in a deal, um, and especially it's super important for somebody like Cognizant, like we're a B2B um, contact data provider. So it's, it's pre very prevalent in every deal, um, never mind if it's enterprise or not. So it's like starting to think about that. Well, okay, who do we, um, who do we know that can help us with this? So we, so we spoke to our legal team and we said, would you mind recording a couple of videos around like, so for us, like GDPR is a massive thing just by the nature of what we do. So, so Axel, like our, our head of legal, um, recorded a video and we said, okay, well, let's, let's get that data set. So we've got the data set using Cognizant, our own tool, um, and ran that through LinkedIn as a matched audience. And we saw some amazing results because it was a, a legal talking to legal about yeah. what Cognizant do. So for me, like the subject matter expert is so important. And that's where we, we got that, uh, got that traction and got that engagement. We didn't asked them to do anything we just gave them this content um, and we've got a lot of um strong content on compliance but it's probably like 
some of it's like just PDFs, you know, pages and pages of yeah. like compliance. And so the fact that we got somebody to do this video, which was more engaging and it was optimized for like in-feed consumption as opposed to sending people around the houses, we then started to think, well, we could do this. Um, so we haven't actually executed this yet, but one of the actions that we want to take is why why can't we do, if we're not spending all of our time on these eBooks and gating them and collecting leads, why can't we spend time on a nurture or a very value-led um, secret? Well, yeah, nurture basically, but let's, you know, target legal um, or procurement, whatever that might look like. Um, let's target sales and marketing. So while our enterprise deals are taking X amount of time, let's feed these personas with some super value-led content. So we're memorable. So when the sales person does, the sales director does get to a point where they want to engage marketing, we'll be like, oh yeah, we've heard of Coblism. And then when they're both going to the legal team to get this signed off or, you know, all the security team or like going to procurement, they're like, oh, we knew, we knew Coblism. And there is that human element there and familiarity with, with us. So that's something that we're working on at the moment. We haven't actually set live, so I can't tell you what results we've had, but that's an idea that we've had. I'm curious about how you're planning that because that's one of those things where are you going to measure it at all? Or is it a thing you're just saying we're doing, don't worry about it. It's happening. This is the stuff you should look at. Yeah. So I think like we'll always measure it, um, from an engagement perspective. Um, but for us, it's, it's more about that sort of getting sales involved in the process. It's leveling ourselves up on like what the buying cycle looks like, because that's a, that's a big thing that we, we didn't do. Well, I didn't do a lot of before and I do it all of the time now is if I've got a complex, if this is a complex buying cycle, I need to be speaking to sales every week, every two weeks, talking to them, who have you been speaking to, what they've been saying, what are their pain points and you know, we do that regularly. We listen to calls on Friday. We don't have meetings on Fridays. We own, you know, we spend an hour or so in the afternoons like listening to gong calls from like enterprise prospects because we need to know. And interestingly, you then find yourself with a whole new pool of ideas and you start writing stuff and it's all come from those little nuggets of information that you'll gather. Give me, give me an example of something that's come out of one of those calls. Like what... Do you hear where you're going, oh, that's a thing? So I would say for like, for example, like our um, sales was our key persona that we marketed to and marketing was sort of involved in the deal. We decided um, at some point, but we're, we're doing this mobile numbers for sales, accurate data. And that was the message that we were really sort of um, hitting home at that time. And then I listened to two or three calls and funnily enough, yes, the AE was having um, a conversation with the sales director, but two or three times I kept hearing this, the same thing where it was like, oh yeah, marketing told us about you at Cognizant. Marketing told us about Cognizant. Um, you know, we thought we'd use you for like X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, okay, so marketing is telling sales to use us, but we've also got a workflow for marketing and marketing can use us as well. Why, why is, why are marketing hearing about us and then passing it on to sales? So then I started speaking to Vera, who's, who's um, our PMM and she's absolutely amazing. She's on it. She's all things product marketing. 
I said to Pira, why, why are marketing <laughs> giving this to sales as a sales tool? Because we get great results from marketers. We spoke about it and we looked at our messaging and we realized we've been sitting internally for so long talking to talking about Cognizant to each other and nobody else. So we have this notion of how we describe it as this, as you know, the sales intelligence platform, the mobile numbers, the, the diamonds on demand, all this kind of great, great stuff that we're doing. And I looked at that message and I said, well, actually taking a step back, which I haven't clearly done because we've been going down a rabbit hole. I don't, I don't think I'd buy it because I don't think I would think it was for me. So then we started spinning off these ads on marketing workflows, right? So how, how marketers use Cognizant um, at Cognizant, basically. <laughs> and that was the workshop. How do we use Cognizant every single day? Because we do. And then we started to do these, we simplify the messaging, address them, marketers. And then suddenly we're starting to see, a, not obviously not overnight, but more marketing directors and CMOs engaging with us on that level and what we're doing. And suddenly marketing is becoming a part of the conversation and it's not just them passing it off to sales anymore. But that was, that was a, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't have known that. That's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And, and funny enough, now you go down that attribution rabbit hole where you're influencing marketers who are influencing sales, who are probably the ones doing the demo requests coming in through you. Exactly. And you only find out on the gong call. I mean, there's no paper trail for that. No, no. And, and then it's, yeah. And then the, and then it becomes that whole, like, yeah, we're discovering that. I mean, it's sort of like reverse engineering it backwards and realizing that we've kind of made a bit of a mistake and also just being honest about it. Right. Like we're not, perfect we're not going to get it right every time but if we can if we can start making changes like that then surely that's how we can level up and do better but we only know that by speaking to customers sales and having that alignment with product marketing as well which is so important yeah really shows you how anecdotal evidence can actually be more impactful than big massive quantitative dashboards that are showing yeah. all these conversion metrics yeah like we do um we started to do it, actually. I don't know if you've spoken to anyone that's done this, but you know, like the self-reported um, self attribution. So like, mm -hmm. how did you hear about us? But like, in your own words, like not trying to like predefining it. We started doing that. And it's, it's hard because we need to know, like we need to work out what exactly to do with that data. But yeah. I tell you, like, since we've invested like a lot more budget into this, like to manage and driving inbounds, um, it's, it's fantastic just to start seeing like the increase in, we, we listen to your podcast and then so-and-so from such companies said they thought you were doing an all right job. So we're going to, we're going to give you a go. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really nice. Can't it's, it's almost like affirmation that you're doing the right thing, if anything, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. That's fantastic. You mentioned product marketing and I want to switch to that because you wrote a great post about this recently about how product marketing has historically not worked very well with demand gen and you made a big shift yeah. can you talk me through that yeah yeah absolutely um so yeah when i, I think when i joined some sort of year and a half ago we um product marketing would come to demand gen and say we've had this we've released this product um what should we do and we'd go oh do you know just put some ads together and this, that, and the other, and, and they would, but in silo. So they would go and launch this, um, like whatever it was, like ad campaign or something around Cognizant's latest um, 
features or releases or whatever. And we just carry on doing our own thing and blah, blah, blah. And then we'd be doing our ebooks, our content and all that. And then after a while, we, and again, it's, it's since we started to make this shift towards like, well, if we're going to serve an ungated model, um, you know, if we're going to not well, serve an ungated model, if we're going to do this ungated model, like how do we organize our content? Like we've got top of funnel, we need to talk about our product, we need to talk about this. And it then became like the realization that actually product marketing were putting stuff out, but without the help of demand gen to help them elevate it, sending it to the right audience, putting it on the right platforms. And demand gen was spending loads of time on this top of funnel content, um, which was great. We're getting a lot of traction, but how does how do we then start talking about what we do? And I think at one point I looked and um, like product marketing were running a campaign to probably the same audience that we were, so there's the crossover. And I was running a gated bottom of funnel campaign. And it was all a bit like, didn't feel very good actually, <laughs> because I was just like, so they're running this amazing, this cool video that they've got our design team to do. And I'm running an ebook about the same content, but you've got to put your details in to find it. And then I was like, I'm missing a trick. We need to be collaborating. We need to be hanging out all the time and talking about what we're doing. So that's what we did start doing. And that's where like from, from me, like speaking to Vera, who, who does an amazing job, she literally is like, yeah, like let's simplify our messaging. Let's get these videos. Let's really, um, you know, like speak about our product in this way. And then we kind of got to a point where you kind of realized that once you do have that sort of power engine of like product marketing and demand gen together, and then you kind of do great things. So we were looking at, like we've recently done like an ungated product tour, like a few companies have done it, like Metadata have done it as well, we've seen, and, and it's amazing like what they're doing. But that was only possible because of like the super strong collaboration that we have with product marketing. And it's, we kind of came to it because people say like, oh, why would you, why would you do an ungated product tour? Because then you're just like revealing all the secrets and no one's going to want to demo. And I'm like, but surely we don't have anything to hide. Like we pride ourselves in the quality of our products. So why not show people? And then if they've got more questions, they'll come to us. Not when we decide that they need to come to us. Um, and we've had loads of like great responses from it. Um, yeah. So uh, that's all alignment with product marketing. Like that, I would never have done that without that team helping us giving us the ideas giving us the content it's almost like they help us craft the content that we put out there but we help elevate it because obviously we're in platform every day like looking at audiences like seeing how we can like extend the reach of things we're building nurtures we're including it that's another thing as well we, we built all these these like nurture programs which we've now simplified massively but they didn't feature anything from product marketing which is really odd because we were telling this whole story and then we tell it in our own words and I don't know, I think, yeah, I think we're just missing a trick. Massive. It's, it's so interesting you're saying this because we had this exact experience where we, we have product marketing function and we, we had a meeting where me and my counterpart on the product marketing side were talking and he said, oh, let me show you my campaign calendar. And he put it down and went, hold on, let me show you mine. They're the same yeah. thing. Like what, yeah, they look identical exactly. to one another. Exactly. Yeah. We did, um. We did a great, great release this year on our, like our diamond data release. So our, our like, um, verified contacts. And, um, it was the same. I was like, I've got this idea and, um, product marketing, like, oh, this is our schedule. And I was like, ah, we need to, 
bring them together as one. Um, which, I'm which curious when you were saying that they, they were running ads themselves, was that through a different team? Like who, do they have their own accounts for ads or how were they running ads that were outside of your world? Yeah, they, they, they did it themselves. On our platform, on like LinkedIn and, and Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Same. They just did it themselves. I know. Fascinating. Hmm? Um, so again, that was the, that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? Because we were running ads in our sleep. So surely we should have been the ones to like execute and collaborate with them, which now we do. It's funny though, isn't it? But I think it's because we were too busy on our eBooks. <laughs> <laughs> we were busy. So here's where I want to bring this back around to measurement. And, you know, you've done the splitting the funnel. Uh, you've started to shift the things that you're being targeted on. So what do you report on today? Do you have two separate versions that are slowly becoming the new version of demand gen or like, what is your reporting to, you know, executives, board, stuff like that look like? Yeah, sure. So, um, I suppose, um, really it's, I feel like I want to say like how, maybe how we started with the buy-in from, so how Alice got the buy-in for this whole model and like what we measured, um, and then like what we measure now, I suppose. So I guess. To, to get sort of, to get this buy-in to move to this shift, um, like shift to, to demand gen, um, Alice like spoke to our board, like CEO and said, right, okay, I want um, a budget, a testing budget. So I want two, 3%, so it wasn't a lot of our existing budget and I'm gonna spend that and I'm gonna, and incidentally it was on this, you know, sort of ungated content awareness campaigns, like through LinkedIn. Um, and we just kept it so, so simple. And all we me measured was the velocity of inbounds. Are our inbounds Emma requests trending upwards or are they not? And that was it because we didn't want to get stuck in the weeds working out if this was going to happen or not, basically. That's all we did. And we slowly, uh, the commercial team did it first and they slowly started saying, I think it was after three months, um, inbound was up by 46%. Um, by making this shift. So 46%. 46%. Yeah. I double check that actually. It's one of our on Alice's posts just to be sure that I was correct. <laughs> 46%. <laughs> I'm shocked at that. I would have, if you said like 6%, I'd have said, that's good. That's, that's good. Yeah. But that, bearing in mind, that was, wasn't for enterprise. So, um, yeah. so we would just started to make that switch now. So we don't quite have that number, but they are on the up, but not by, not by that much, I'll be honest. Um, so, so yeah, so we started to, so we knew that that was all we needed to know that this was working. It's all we needed to know. And then we slowly, slowly started to drip feed more budget into this demand gen model. Um, and I mentioned before that we're targeted to revenue. So they were, that, they were kind of all like, I guess like North Star metrics. Are inbounds going up? Are we getting revenue? And then obviously you can't, you know, that's not it. Like then you have to start piecing together the funnel. So it's like conversion rates. So we track conversion rates through the funnel. So your meetings worked, your meetings attended, your meetings attended to your SQO rate. And then now we're, we're sort of moving towards like a SQO win rate. So we want to like build on that. Um, so we're, we're starting to look at, um, you know, little bits, um, like tweak little bits, like focus on conversion rates. But yeah, but, but ultimately the goal is revenue for us. So the faster we can get something from a 
inbound demo request to close one, the better for us. So that's that's our focus. Like we don't, I guess we don't really overcomplicate it too much. Totally. Good indications though are, I think everyone just calls them like vanity metrics these days, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really see them as much as that. But in platform, we used to look at, have we got our conversion from these campaigns? Now we look at what's the engagement rate like, how long are people watching the video for, time on page, all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff has come back around and that stuff is really interesting to me because I know that the content is being well received and it's being heard. And ultimately, if we're seeing the engagement in platform, then it's, I'm, I'm more confident that they're going to transpire to like a demo request, for example. So, so those, those, those metrics, although I don't report on them necessarily, like I don't go, I go to CMO and be like, oh, um, this month, like this is the engagement rate on this campaign. It's like I use them to guide me in knowing that that's going to drive the inbounds and ultimately the revenue. Um, and, and also I think like by splitting the funnel, it's just great to you can identify like conversion, like if the conversion rates off, for example. So if your meetings booked, meeting attendee rates off. If your leads meeting book, uh, meetings booked is off. Like we, what did we run? We ran a performance max campaign on Google ads not so long ago, a few weeks, like six weeks ago, four to six weeks ago. And now we got loads and loads of email demo requests. And we were like, well, we've really cracked it. But actually the, the conversion to a meeting booked was so much lower than when we switched that off. We realized that we were generating, again, a lot of traffic and a lot of leads, but not the right type of leads. So it's stuff like that you've got to keep your eye on because it's no longer is it, yes, we're getting loads of leads. It's like, well, what is the quality? Um, so, yeah. Two things you said there are so important. I think the first was actually exactly what I was going to ask you was you're now tracking and using a lot of those, what people would consider vanity metrics, Yeah, yeah. but you're using them for you. You're not throwing them into reports and risking making it look like you're adding fluffy metrics to no. sales presentations. This is purely for you to see, is this thing moving in the direction that you want it to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what we're doing because. But the other part is then you're tracking all the way through to what happens after that farm fill comes in, which yeah. is, is work, frankly. It's like, it's easy to go, look, all these demo requests, job done, walk away, move on to the next thing. But yeah. you got to see where it goes after that. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny because probably five years ago, I wouldn't I suppose say, yeah, maybe even, yeah, three years ago, probably like pretty much like leads in, job done. So when we were getting the revenue, I'd be like, ah, sales old selling. I don't know (laughs) what you you think, but now I I care so much about that revenue and that conversion, how leads are converting down the funnel. It's like, it baffles me that it's never been the case that marketing and sales have like the shared revenue target because it's just everyone working towards the same goal and everyone cares about the same thing. I mean, obviously it's not as smooth as that, but it's pretty much what we're going for, so. Yeah. So, so last question, if you were giving advice to someone who was just starting off on this, where you're bought in, I'm ready to start selling this in, I'm ready to start running those little experiments. How long should you be planning for this to take? I guess from how long should you plan before you start to be able to show that things are working to like, is before you actually really begin to make a shift in strategy? 
Yeah, so um, I guess for us, it was six months, I would say, it took. Um, and that's from having an experimental budget to Alice um, bringing it up in every single meeting that she had, every single board meeting. So, um, yeah, I think that, that's kind of what she did. She drip fed it in. Oh, by the way, that testing budget, this is what we're doing with it, and we're seeing X, Y, and Z, and we're seeing that that's converting down the funnel in that way, and it would, it would always be prevalent all the time, and we would be very vocal about it. Um, just to continue to get that buy-in to sales all the time. By the way, we're doing this, you know, really explaining like what we're doing. Um, and then it's just time, as I said before, like it's, it's patience. You can't, um, so we've just done the full switch um, off enterprise and then um, we, we won't see anything for this, we won't see anything this quarter. We'll stop, we'll see a bit because we, we'd slowly, you know, turn the tap off, but we, we won't see it. It took yeah, when we did it for commercial, it took us six months to truly say, yes, this is working for us. Um, we've got buy-in, it works. We can ask for more money because we can show that the revenue's gone up um, and we can show that the win rate's a lot quicker. And another metric actually, which I never focused on before, was the sales cycle length. We're actually seeing that the sales cycle is shorter because the leads are better and they're there's that intent behind them. So that's another good one I forgot to mention. But yeah, I'd say six months and I'd say it is patience. And, and I would say that if you do have that pressure that either it's not a lot of budget or it's the pressure to keep topping up sales pipeline with leads, then there is no harm in doing it slowly and just turning it off. So we started in uh, July and I've only just switched it off completely this month. Um, so what's that? Yeah. Eight months or something like that. Yeah. So it's definitely no harm in doing that. Um, and yeah. That's brilliant. I think that is a perfect place to leave us. This was such an interesting conversation. I, I, like I'm, I'm writing notes down as you're talking, going, doing that today, doing that tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> genuinely, that was brilliant. I really appreciate it. This has been a fantastic conversation. No, Thank I've enjoyed it. Me. Thank you. I've enjoyed it very much. See you. All right. Take care. Bye.